This is Amanda. And this is Rachel. And this is Vocal Perspective. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Vocal Perspective. We have Rachel back this week for episode 58, and we have Abby Janes from Duende. I have to admit, Abby, you have been one of the people I've looked up to from the very beginning. We have a lot in common, and you've always been someone I look to for inspiration, so we're so excited to have you today. Oh, thank you so much, Amanda. I'm so happy to join you, and thanks so much for inviting me to come talk to you guys. Of course, I've been looking forward to this since we started. We're like, one of these days, we'll make it work. <laughs> <laughs> so we always start these interviews with just kind of an introduction so people know how you got into acapella. Oh, great. Well, I started off in my freshman year. I auditioned for the co-ed group at my college. It was a small liberal arts college called Franklin and Marshall in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And it was the only co-ed group. And actually, my roommate at the time was familiar with acapella on the collegiate scene. And I was less familiar, but because of her, and I still call her my roommate to this day because we lived together all four years. But she, it is because of her that I ended up knowing about the audition and going to the audition. So I still consider myself grateful for that. And I sang with the group for four years and ended up my senior year, I was the musical director, which was loads of fun. And I really enjoyed that. And that was my start into acapella. Very cool. So how did you go from that into Duende? Well, plot twist, not really, is that <laughs> Ed Chung from Duende was the music director of the group, The Poor Richards, my freshman year. He was a senior. And so when I moved to New York after college, he had already started Duende. And shortly after I moved to New York, and of course, as with most acapella groups, we had, you know, all of the members had kept in touch over the years and alums would come back to shows and all of that. So Ed and I were in touch all of those years that I was in the group without him there. And when I moved to New York in August, shortly after that, Duende lost one of their members but they had a show coming up quickly and they were looking for a sub. And so as Ed tells the story that <laughs> he said, oh, we can call Abby. I sang with her in college. She would be great. She'll be able to pick up the parts she can fill in. So having known me for all of those years, Ed knew to approach me as a sub role when he will now tell the story that underneath it all, he thought maybe I would be auditioning for a more permanent position. But he knew that because of things that I was doing and all of that, that I would have been reluctant to, you know, jump in. And I also had great respect for Duende. We had brought them to my senior year big concert on campus, you know, to be a headliner. And I didn't think that I had the chops to be in Duende. So which looking back. <laughs> yes, looking back. And we also joke sometimes in the group that I don't ever remember actually becoming an official member. So who knows if I'm still technically a sub. That's awesome. <laughs> Just kind of morph to write into, you know, it's nice when subs come in and you're like, actually. <laughs> yes, exactly. So Duende's been through a lot of transformations. You know, the big one that I remember was the original album. Was it called Collective? Am I remembering that? Correct. There is an album called Collective. Yes. Okay. That was one of the ones that I remembered when I first got onto the scene. I'm like, oh, look, you know, original music and this is so cool. And then you guys really burst onto the scene with the Michael Jackson. It was almost incredible for the rest of the world to watch the rest of the world kind of discover how good this group was. And I cover some Michael Jackson tunes too. And it was a 
big like, okay, how do you take this iconic artist and make it your own? And you guys really succeeded at that. Can you tell us a little bit about that era where you guys were making Michael Jackson, Jackson, a revival of Michael Jackson? Yes, of course. So actually the album that you mentioned, Collective, was the third original acapella album that I was a part of was Duende. And Duende in that first iteration with different members that are, you know, no longer in the group was all original and very rarely did Duende do a cover. And so when there were some member changes, it kind of took, you know, a few years through different member changes. And then as I remember, but of course at this point, it's been several years, it was when Aaron joined the group and we were kind of looking for you know, new directions or new ideas. And Ed, who is the founder of the group, has always been someone, of course, to come up with direction, inspiration, ideas, and all of those things. And he had been thinking for a while with YouTube being new at the time, still mm-hmm. fairly new, you know, what could we do on YouTube or what would be our way of showcasing ourselves on YouTube and that kind of thing. And to just, you know, utilize that and try it out because everybody was having a lot of fun with YouTube. It wasn't quite as serious as it is now. If if some people take it seriously, it wasn't necessarily looked at as, you know, a career thing or things like that. It was just how can we explore the fun of sharing? Right. And his idea and his pitch, if you want to call it that, was to film ourselves recording covers for an album. And then as he thought through it, it was, well, we've never done covers. So why are we suddenly doing covers? Is it just to be on YouTube? Is it just to be relatable? What is our artistic reason for wanting to do covers rather than just kind of picking things out of a hat? And then he came up with the idea, well, what if we cover one artist? And then that was something that everyone in the group at the time went, wait a second, yes, we really like that notion. And then somewhere along all of these discussions as things were materializing, Derek joined the group. And so then all of that began to gel even more and make even more sense. And as I've listened to the story in various stage (laughs) moments or interviews or things like that, is that the artist that we all had on our iPods definitely was Michael Jackson. And so that's kind of how we settled on, well, let's just do a full album of Michael Jackson music. So that's how it started. Very cool. And was it, Yeah. because I know that arranging was something that you were doing a lot of uh, through a significant portion of your time with Duende. And I wonder, was it natural for you to pick up the arranging for that music? Or how, how did that transition happen for you? That's an interesting question. And sometimes, you know, I would want to look to the other members to help jog my memory because it's, I don't remember why it happened that way. I do know that so much, everything Duende had done up until that point was primarily workshopping things in rehearsals and arrangements were born from improv sessions. And when I say rehearsals, I mean three times a week, three hours each session. That was the first 10 years of Duende was that type of schedule, much like a collegiate group, right? (laughs) But so much of it, we also rehearsed on a system. And so we, so many of those hours were spent improving, workshopping. And then when we decided to approach covers, we felt like that we needed more of an arrangement, at least somewhere to start. And I don't know if it was because I had arranged for my college group or whatever it was that we decided that I would give it a go and at least give it the first effort. Yeah, Yeah, the first pass, (laughs) exactly. I really, if I'm being super honest, I felt incredibly intimidated because of the fact that it was Michael Jackson and trying to do 
his music justice as an artist, you know, I mean, as an artist of his caliber and definitely felt some nerves surrounding that, but then also feeling, you know, the group itself being such a supportive and group environment, collective environment. I knew that that would, it wouldn't necessarily fall all on me, that I just needed to take the first step. And that's led kind of naturally, I think, a little bit to where you are now, which, you know, sort of mentioned that you're doing much more collaborative arranging as part of your process. Can you talk a little bit about, I mean, I guess that feels maybe natural or maybe normal, but can you talk a little bit about how that came to be and some of the benefits you see from doing it that way? Yes, of course. So, so much of the Michael Jackson music, which then became doing more covers and doing, you know, having a YouTube channel full of covers and adding covers to our shows. The process is that I would come up with the first pass of the arrangements. I don't write them down. They're all done orally and we send them out in parts tapes. I find it easier to convey ideas that way. And also sometimes the guys joke that they can hear when I'm singing like them or doing some (laughs) in a way indicating I'm not doing the thing that I don't sound like you, but because I just sang it like this, you know what I want you to do here. And so that is, the I think, one of the steps to workshopping and collaborating is that then they hear that and then they turn it into their idea of how it's going to be performed or how it's going to sound ultimately. And then also, even with the covers, they kind of morph as we record them or as we perform them. Sometimes the live versions don't end up being what was originally what we put on tape for the YouTube cover or something like that. And we don't even know that it's changed over time. So now it seems like you all are going back to the roots of the original group and you've got a new album coming out that's all original. Can you tell us how that came about and where that process came from? Yes, of course. The idea for doing originals has been on the table for a very long time. And in fact, as with a lot of things in anyone's life, you know, doing the Michael Jackson record was just supposed to be a fun thing before getting back to doing originals again, but that's been 10 years. So, (laughs) but even some of these songs that are on this album have been nuggets of ideas that have been tossing around for years and all of that and, you know, turning it into, and finally having the time to turn it into realized songs and then becoming an album was really exciting and really something that we all were waiting to have happen. But what it took, I think, was kind of also finding roles and ways to workshop together. And who was it? Because no longer did any of us in this iteration of the group, in this lineup, we weren't doing three-hour rehearsal three times a week. That's not where we are anymore. That's right. not where any of us want to be either, to be honest. <laughs> where, sure. you know, we, we focus our creative efforts differently now as a group. And so how do you turn that into original music? And so what ended up happening was Ed and Aaron on a lot of the initial writing and the grooves and the bones of the songs. We actually also worked with some former members of Duende as well, because yes, who are who have still always been kind of in our lives. And so that felt very collaborative. It felt very familiar, very comfortable. And then at some point, the songs with digital technology, sending ideas back and forth. And then at some point, I did step in and do very bare bones of an arrangement, but without the idea that, so I'll take a step back and say our cover songs are all arranged with the idea that they are just six parts so that they could be instantly performable. Right. With the exception of our album, Remember Two, 
which was the second Michael Jackson album, which had more, a little more layering and things like that. And we were a little more free with that. But all of our other YouTube covers and our first MJ album were really just the six parts. So everything you hear, even if the lines are interacting or doing, and you, you feel like you hear more than six parts, but it really just is the six. And so <laughs> the idea with, you know, when we talked about arrangements for this, for the original album, where the idea was don't arrange it like that, arrange it just as a song and create the song. And then later we will do an acapella arrangement of the song. Nice. That's so smart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because with six voices, it can really limit what you can do. But when you say write it however you want, it doesn't limit it. And then you can always pare it back down. Even though I know your arrangements, I sing along with a lot of your arrangements just to see if I can. And <laughs> you're right. Like it doesn't feel like it's six. You're like, wait, did she jump from here to there? <laughs> you know, it, it's the best way of saying like, throw voice leading out the window and just write what you need to hear. And yeah, I like that you guys don't limit yourself in that way. Because there's no reason to. Right. There is no voice leading in our arrangements. I will say that. I will cop to that. I will admit to that. I, I studied works. music in college and I know what voice leading is supposed to be or what it is, but I, I will fully admit that it is not part of our arrangements. But with the voices you have, it, it doesn't need to be. And if somebody wants to attempt to sing a Duende arrangement, I, I highly recommend it because it is, it's a challenge, but it's a fun challenge. Well, usually what happens is I start with the idea that I want to hear a certain person singing a line. And I feel like that they are melodic or some kind of instrumental line or something, or even if it's a backup part, but I start with that almost like it's a melody in itself. Right. right? And once I know that I want to hear that, then maybe somebody's harmonizing with that or adding that part or filling that in. And then there's always somebody else that then has to just sing all the other notes. <laughs> That's an excellent way of putting it. All, all Which I think, <laughs> I feel like often you make yourself be that person. <laughs> that generally falls on me or Tomas, to be honest. <laughs> So part of that is also because sometimes if I want one of the guys, if I want their sound at the top of the chord, but I happen to be on a, on the top note right before that, I just have to get out of the way and sing something else. So that's how it works. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about the, the marriage of the words and ideas behind the songs that, you know, so, so there's the writing aspect and, and the message, and then there's the musical presentation of how you convey that message. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about how you go about deciding it, the music, right? The music that goes along with the words. Wow, what a question. <laughs> and it makes me wish that the lyricists were here in this moment. But it's also really fun to talk about as an observer along the way. And Aaron has written the lyrics for the album and also has been a part of coming up with much of the melodies and even the grooves and all of that, but also having other people and having Ed set things up or maybe having David inject some of his bass lines to guide something. And again, you know, involving the former members on setting up grooves and just kind of figuring out the direction of a song. And so then there's a groove set up and lyrics and melody. And then that is what would come to me. And sometimes it would 
be accompanied by a song that exists out there that said we have this in mind or sometimes it would come to me with descriptive words or another thing that was really helpful and which I really liked about this process was talking about the mood that you want to set and it was not only the mood for each individual song but the mood for the arc of the album and so then when you're conveying that then I you know as as the person who would then give the first stab at the arrangement it was trying to set that mood through the parts of the song. Right. And for our listeners, I would highly recommend them taking the time to not just listen to the lyrics. I know sometimes it's hard to get behind, you know, Aaron and Derek and their charismatic way that they, a lot of the solos that they do. But something I found from listening to your style of arranging and Duende's style of arranging is you use all of these, you weave in these ideas and there's often a lot of words in the background and just the way that you create this sound tapestry, I think is very unique. And it's something that's always drawn me to to wanting to listen. And I have to be honest, like as a producer and a performer, I probably only actually own five acapella albums. And most of them are yours, because it's just such a as an acapella person, the backgrounds are so always so interesting. So I mean, that's something I want our listeners to go and listen to is is not just listen to these lyrics, especially since I know this album is going to be fantastic. And it has such great leads and, and you know, and Ed does such a great job with the percussion. But it's you know, what really sells Duende to me is all of the things that are going on in between that. Well, thank you so much. And it's really nice to have that called out and to have people notice that because I do know that anyone who's not on the lead also is having a lot of fun, you know, in the background, singing the background parts because they are an integral part of the song. And I do think that part of that came out of doing covers because of the idea that you're reinventing a song that already exists. And so, and that maybe people are extremely familiar with. Most of the songs that we were covering were not obscure. There's something that at least, you know, that most people have heard before, if not many times. And so to, if you're already super familiar with the melody and super familiar with the song, then what else can we do? to give you something fun to listen to. Right. What makes, you know, so many people feel like when they have to reinvent the song, when they have to make the song their own, they have to change the key, they have to change the mood, they have to change the tempo. And you guys don't necessarily do that. And yet, as soon as I hear it, I know it's Duende and it doesn't feel like you're doing a straight cover. So, I mean, for the groups out there that are looking to be unique, I think you guys are a case study in that. Oh, wow. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. So I'm wondering about what this album means for or or this new approach or maybe return to an old approach <laughs> means for the future of the group I, you mentioned that that originals are something that you're more interested in pursuing and is that something that we can look forward to more of in the future yes as a group you know we are returning to originals but then because of the fact that there are four out of the six of us that were not part of original music the first time around. This feels very new and very fresh and very exciting. And we are having such a good time with it that we already feel like, you know, we haven't had enough. So (laughs) definitely it's a direction that we're happy about and that we're excited to finally share and hopefully be doing more of. That makes a lead on (laughs) or an add on question for me, which was, how do you feel? Because I'm so curious about this. How do you feel living in this moment impacts the music that you're making? Since things 
systems are obviously we're talking to you remotely and presumably you all are working to some degree remotely from each other. That necessarily has implications on how you create. And I wonder if that has impacts on fundamentally and at the basic level of of your music. That's such an interesting question. And I think for this particular album, because we started it before everyone was home, there's still that familiarity, whether it's, you know, a workplace or family or friends. If you were to hang out virtually with your college acapella group a decade later, it would feel so familiar because you would have so much in common or so many common stories and it would just come back alive right then. So I think in that sense, not only have we been working together for a very long time, so there's a familiarity even if we are remote, but the project itself started before everyone was remote. And so much of it was to a certain level of completion before then that that made it, you know, it's not growing completely out of this time, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Alternate universe. (laughs) Yeah. I guess I wonder going forward, do you think that it will impact, well, it will impact the Duende sound? That's an interesting question as well, because I do know that the sound itself has evolved with going to originals because we are utilizing very familiar patterns that we've been doing for years and years, but we're also injecting new things because we're approaching the arranging and producing and all of that differently. Like I said, not just six parts and also not reinterpreting music that already exists. And so then going forward, it would be interesting to see if there's some type of evolution that way, or if we, you know, continue to rely on what we know and our familiarity with each other and knowing how to sing together and all of that. So I I guess time will tell. (laughs) I think that's such a lovely, like thing that you have with the longevity of this lineup to to have that with each other is is really a gift in these times I think. Yeah. Absolutely, I agree. Completely agree. So, as of the recording of this podcast, which is only a few days before we'll release it, but we already have access to the one single Dangerous. So, when and how can people uh, get on board so they know when more music is coming? We have everything available on all streaming platforms as far as the audio. And then by the time you release this, there will also be a video, an accompanying video for the first single. And then if you subscribe or follow, then you'll find out about future releases. And we will be releasing um, another single coming up soon. I don't have the exact timing, but I do know that that we want to get that out there and to share it with everyone. So go to Facebook and Instagram, you know, set as C first and get alerts because I know we're not going to want to miss it. Thank you so much. You know, we always get on here and we're like, why did we make this a half hour podcast? Because we have about a million more questions to ask you, but we'll just have to have you back. And it's always such a pleasure and an honor to speak with you and get to pick your brain a little bit. Absolutely. Thank you. It's been such a nice time talking to both of you. And thanks so much for having me on. Of course. That was Abby Janes from Duende.